Our sermon text this morning for us to ponder as we dive into God's Word together is from the New Testament book of 1 Peter chapter 1, reading verses 3 through 9. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He Christ from us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. This is the word of our God. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Dear Lord Jesus Christ, Lord of the nations, a risen Lord, a living God, gives us a living hope. I thank you today for these people here at peace. I thank you for the faith that you've given them to trust you in the good days and on the bad. I thank you for the hope that you give us that even though now we may suffer tr grief and trials of all different kinds, Lord, you give us a hope. Help us cling to you and to find peace in you alone. I ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. He had every right to be skeptical. Truly. Before this man was a Christian, his life was in shambles, but he was able to get by just one day at a time. Maybe you know what it's like before you're a Christian. You think that there's something out there, something greater, something to hope in, but this man didn't know what or who that was. And then he became a Christian. I tell you, life changes when you're a Christian. You know this as much as I do. Life changed when this man became a Christian because he saw things that he had never seen before. Sinners, and I mean terrible sinners who had lived a terrible lifestyle, could come and find forgiveness? He saw lame people stand up and, and, and walk again. He saw dead people walk out of tombs. I mean, miraculous things, big things, extravagant things, life-changing things. And he was changed. Because he knew that the thing that he had always been looking for, the hope that he always wanted to have, was in a living God, and his name was Jesus Christ. He had it, he found it, he clung to him. But that was then. And now he was dead. And every bit of hope, every bit of joy, 
Every bit of the future that he once imagined was now dead and gone along with Jesus. He was mad. He was upset. He was confused. He didn't have answers. He didn't know what life would look like from here on out. And you know who I'm talking about. A man who I would say has every right to be skeptical, even to doubt, if you want to put it that way. You know him as Thomas, a.k.a. Doubting Thomas. You remember if I take you back into Lent, did you all study Pontius Pilate? Pilate, who is known in our creed as the one who caused Jesus to suffer and die. No matter what else Pilate did, he is known for the suffering and death of Jesus. No matter what else Thomas did in his entire life, Thomas is known as the doubter. And yet here we are, one Sunday out of 52, every single year, is dedicated to him. Do you know that Thomas spoke less than 75 words in all of Scripture? I'll tell you as a pastor, I color code my sermons, I number my paragraphs to keep my train of thought, and every hundred words that you write is a minute of preaching. I'll be honest, I preach longer here than I do at Hope. Um, but 100 words is a minute of preaching. 75 words spoken by Thomas in all of Scripture is the equivalent of a 45-second sermon. And then he just says, amen. You might want Thomas to come and preach today. He doesn't say a whole lot. So why do we study him? Why do we look at Thomas, doubting Thomas every single year? I would say it's because we aren't all that different from him after all. Because you and I, dear people of God, you and I have seen miraculous things, right? You have watched people come into this building, and I'm talking about sinners who have lived in terrible ways and find forgiveness and hope and joy and peace in Jesus. You've seen that. You've seen Jesus work miracles like I have with people who should never walk out of the hospital and continue to live their lives by the grace of God. Y'all can go to the beach and watch the water lap up over and over and see the hand of a miraculous God. You can climb a mountain and see that the hand of God is extraordinary and incredible. Every time I hold a newborn baby that God has blessed us with, I'm reminded that God is a God of miracles. And yet, we see some not-so-miraculous things, don't we? Because that was then. And I'll tell you that the first quarter at Hope Lutheran Church has been a tough one. Six deaths. Six people whom I have ministered to for seven years in a row all died in a two and a half month span. Every single one of them that I loved and I knew. And now they're in heaven with Jesus. But it doesn't make it easy. And it doesn't make it more comfortable. And you and I see trials and suffering, hardship and pain. And there we stand like Thomas, wondering what the future looks like. Wondering what today is going to hold. Wondering where can I put my hope in a messed up world? Because the question we have to ask is the same one that Thomas had to ask. How can I cling to my God in faith even in times of doubt, how can I cling to a God of living hope even when it doesn't look like this is the promise of God? 
And I'll tell you that the people that Peter was writing to, they had to wrestle with the same question. It wasn't all that long after Jesus rose from the grave, about 30 years. 30 years after Jesus rose is when this letter happens to the people that Peter is writing to. They didn't see Jesus. All they had was a promise. All they had was the word. And guess what? Like you, they believed it. But then things got hard. They started to be persecuted for their faith. And it started out just as losing some friends. People stopped visiting their store in the marketplace on a day-to-day basis. People who shunned them for not worshiping idols along with them. It started out small. But then some of their friends started to disappear. Some of their friends were murdered in cold blood for their faith, hunted down, persecuted, and executed for believing in Jesus. And now they're wondering, how can I worship and serve a living God when this is what the world looks like? How can I cling to a God of living hope when all I see is death and trouble and suffering? And so Peter writes, And I'll tell you, he writes something that you and I need to hear in today's world, in our lives. Here again is what Peter writes. He says, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the grave and into an inheritance that can never perish Spoil or fade? He comes to these Christians who are struggling and doubting, much like you and I on a day-to-day basis, wondering what God has in store and says, I have something certain, something sure, something eternal for you, and it's through Jesus Christ. But you know what I find amazing in this section of Scripture? I find it amazing what Peter doesn't say. Peter saw Jesus after he rose from the grave, right? We read that in our gospel lesson. Peter could have said, hey, y'all, I have seen Jesus. I have touched his hands and touched his side. He is alive. He is real. He doesn't say that. Jesus could have, he could have said, Jesus appeared to 500 or more after he rose from the grave. Go and ask one of them. They saw him with their own eyes He doesn't make this argument on anything tangible. He doesn't want them to cling to anything that they can see, feel, touch, or hear. And why is that? Why is that that Peter doesn't want to give them hope in anything physical? It's because do you know what happens to everything physical in this world? It leaves. It dies, it goes away, it fails us, it lets us down. And I'll tell you, this is a hard lesson for us to learn, and I'm still learning it. How many miles does it take for me to stop clinging to the fact that if I just have a little bit more money, I'll find joy? How many funerals does it take and how many burials will it take for me to recognize that a new car will only be temporary, not lasting joy? How many times do we have to chase after the things of this world to realize that the only lasting thing that we have is Jesus Christ? 
How long will it take us, people of God, to stop chasing after the things of the world and putting our hope in earthly things when Jesus is the only one who won't let us down? I'll let you down. Your pastor will let you down. The church will even at times let you down. Jesus won't. Your friends will leave you if they don't agree with you. People will gossip about you and slander your name. The money will disappear. From dust we came and to dust we shall return. Even our health will one day let us down and into the grave we go. The only lasting hope, the only thing that matters is clinging to a living hope for a living Lord who has been raised back to life because that, my dear friends, is certain. And this is a tough lesson, and I'll tell you who has helped me learn it. It's you. It's the people of hope. Typically, it's not the people sitting in the pews that teach me this lesson, but the people sitting in a hospice room. The people sitting in their homes because they can't physically get to work. It's the people relegated to a nursing home who are nearing death. It's those people that teach me this lesson because do you know what they don't talk about when I go and visit? They don't talk about the raise they got 50 years ago. They don't talk about the car they once drove when they were 18. They don't talk about the home that they once lived in that brought them joy. They talk about Jesus. And I'll never forget it. I'll I'll never forget this 91-year-old woman grabbing me by the hand and saying, Pastor, isn't it amazing? I said, what's that? She said, isn't it amazing that for our entire lives we can chase everything in this world, but the only thing that I have left and the only thing I need is hope in Jesus? Isn't it amazing that God loves a doubter like me? And isn't that amazing, dear people of God, to gain that perspective that we come with nothing and we leave with nothing to God be the glory with our lives? Isn't it amazing to cling to something so certain, so beautiful, so forever as in Jesus that no matter what comes our way, we know who we are and we know whose we are? You see, dear people of God, Peter acknowledges it, the the grief and the trials and the suffering. He's saying it's real, so let it be real. But at the same time, even though life might not look like this beautiful promise of God, know that the promises of Jesus are more. That the grace of God is greater than sin. That the, the heaven that waits for you is an eternal inheritance that will never perish, never spoil And never fade. You see, one of you came up to me before the service and they said, do you remember Jim? I said, of course I remember Jim. I was here on the first Sunday that that Jim visited. She said, Jim went home to heaven in January. You know what I say? God's timing is incredible. For the last five, six of his life, to be able to anchor him in the love of To usher a child of God home to heaven, praise be to God that at the right time and the right place, he gave Jim a living hope. You and I are no different. We need something to cling to in this world. And the only thing, the only one that won't fail you 
is Jesus Christ who has conquered death, delivered you from sin, and given you an inheritance. Y'all, I've never had anything passed down to me before. I don't know that I ever will. I've never been in anybody's will. But I do know this. I, I do know that when my wife and I sat down to make our living will, we had to designate who would be next in line to receive what we have, right? It's called a beneficiary, you know this. So you put it down, and, and typically you don't just choose a random person to give all your things to. Typically it's your spouse and then your children. Typically it's family, right? But you give what you have in your inheritance to the people closest to you. So if God comes to you today, says that his inheritance in heaven is yours, then you got to know you're not random to God. And you got to know that you're not just someone out there. The only way you get the inheritance is if you're part of the family. And the only way you're part of the family is through the innocent blood of Jesus shed on the cross of Calvary. You are his. And so bring your doubts. Dear people of God, bring your fears, bring your skepticism, but leave it at the cross because Jesus proves to you something today that he is here and he is here to stay, a living hope for eternal life. And there's really just one more thing I want to share with you today. It's something that's on my heart on a day-to-day -day basis. It's something that tends to rule my life, in fact. It's food. And I'm not joking. You people of peace do something special. When you got cookies and muffins and goldfish, I mean things that will downright kill a person before a, a Sunday service, and you're going to tempt me with that when I walk in here. It's really amazing how our lives are structured around food, isn't it? From the shopping to the fridge to, to lunch to breakfast to dinner to snacks, I mean our entire lives are structured around food because it sustains our bodies. I get that. Did you know that you and I can just go to the grocery store and buy things where other people can't? Would you raise your hand this morning if you have an extraordinary garden that supplies all of your vegetables for the entire year? My daughter's raising her hand. We have two peppers and four tomatoes. <laughs> Thank you, babe. I love our garden too. How about a mediocre garden? Not, not that supplies all of your, your food, but just, just some of it. Anyone like to garden in here? What a brave souls. We got three. We got three. It's a pretty special thing, right? That pepper tastes a whole lot different on my plate after I grew it than if I shop for it. That's just the reality, right? But most of us, we go to the store, we put it in the fridge, and then we eat it. Did you know that 40% of all produce goes to waste? 40% of the fruits and vegetables that you and I go out and purchase end up being wasted. And it's not because it wasn't good or delicious. It's because we forget about it and it rots in the fridge and we don't eat it in time. To the tune of $150 billion of waste on an annual basis, that's how much produce is thrown in the trash and into a landfill simply because it was good and then it went bad and now we have to throw it away. Doesn't that describe a lot of life? <laughs> a lot of things that were good and are now bad and are no longer part of our lives. I mean, 
If that doesn't describe your past, it certainly does mine. And now Jesus comes to us and tells us something extraordinary that what you have in him doesn't have an expiration date. That it will never spoil in your fridge or in your heart. That it will never fade out of your lives. That the thing Jesus has given you in eternal life is forever and ever and ever and it has no end. So I can go to the mountains with my family after Easter for three days, but I eventually got to come home. And you all can escape for a day or two, but eventually you got to go back to work. We can do these things, but it's only for a time. Jesus says this is forever. And what he says to Thomas is what he says to you, dear people of peace. He doesn't rebuke him. He doesn't come and run him through the mud. He says to a doubting person, a doubting believer, Peace be with you, shalom. But he doesn't want you just to hear it once. He says it again. Dear people of God, dear people of peace, peace be with you in your job and in your relationships and in your life. No matter what happens, Jesus will never walk away. My peace I give you, my peace I leave you. Peace that surpasses human understanding. So cling to it. Hold on to it because it is a forever peace in your dear Savior, Jesus Christ, an inheritance that will never perish, spoil, or fade. So God continue to bless you here. God continue to bless you in your lives in Jesus. But more than that, dear people of God, I pray that every day you grow closer to him. Cling to him because this living hope is eternal. It's forever and it's yours through faith. To him be the glory forever and ever. And all God's people said, amen, amen.